0: We were having the best practices we ever had. The problem is we were, and I'll say it, I was out at four in the morning drinking my shots down at South Beach. <laughs> <And then> be, <laughs> and practice, you know, the next day. But the practice were going so well.
1: Merton Hanks is going to join us on the podcast today. Oh, yeah. Which is awesome. But <laughs> oh, car
2: Hey,
3: Are you ready for some basketball? Some Monday morning hoops. I got Oregon and somebody else that
1: they played because they didn't play the first round. Let's get this party started.
2: Nachos at 9.15 a.m. on a Monday, John. Is that a bad move? Not, not opposed to it at all, guy. <laughs> not opposed to it at all. Is that what time uh, NCAA basketball starts? NCAA basketball, if you're listening to this,
1: 9.10 a.m. Pacific, Oregon and Iowa, oh, Luka Garza. John, tomorrow morning, you got Oregon, Iowa and then oklahoma gonzaga before lunchtime pacific so oh, if man. you're listening to this after lunchtime pacific you've already those games are over
2: i i i got well my mybookie.ag promo code ham one account now has zero dollars i had the last remaining dollars because i cashed out a large hit was on santa barbara they mm. were leading creighton mm. the majority of that game i I was at mm. doing something falling on my phone and then I check, and the game's over, and they lost sixty three, sixty two. I don't really know what happened, but I got—I feel like I got screwed. Yeah, you got hosed on that. Also, didn't you have Texas winning a bracket?
1: Uh,
2: no. Uh, Ohio State. Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State. Uh, so. no, I, I, no, 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 no. I took. What I did is Let's I bet against. I don't even know what I did was I took. Yeah, I did take Ohio State. <laughs> Florida State and Oklahoma State, which we're recording this for Oklahoma State's game. So Ohio State, yeah. Just mybookie.ag, promo code HAM1. Now was the I, time, John. My, my recommendation, hammer the underdogs. Because these underdogs, they feel like uh, favorites right now. Because they're kicking ass and taking names, guy. It's a wild tournament. I mean, uh, Loyola,
1: Chicago got underseated and And uh, they made they made Illinois pay. Illinois, we got a one-seat out. Um it was. I mean, this was really. I don't want to be. We say it every year. I don't. I'm not comparing it to any other year. But every day, of this tournament's been
2: fantastic so far. Elite event, guy. Absolutely, something elite event. I think they got themselves something. Mybookie.ag promo code ham They'll
1: match that deposit fifty percent up to a thousand bucks. You can also decline the bonus. Uh, because if you accept the bonus, you have to bet the full amount before you can withdraw funds. Either way, promo code HAM1 lets them know that we sent you and a uh, big week ahead. So uh, enjoy that. Plus, the Masters are
2: com- is coming up. Uh, WGC-, WGC match play this weekend. This so week, all the top 64 players, you know, just match play. All right. There you Austin, go. Country, Austin Country Club, I think. Uh, Austin country club? Yeah, it's actually pretty sweet. It's right on the lake. Wow. It looks That's pretty That's not it looks Tony Romo's good. club, is it? Hunter Mahan's club. No, I think they're at. It's something with a with like oaks or trees or something. Because Spieth is something there too. Hardy. Yeah. I, I, th- I think they might also. I mean, I think Tony might be a member here too. Uh, <laughs> my, my buddy Aaron Warshowski, that lives in Austin. I think it's pretty expensive to join. Like minimum six figure just to buy in, and it's one of those where just because you got a hundred grand or one hundred fifty or whatever the buy in. You, 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 there's a list that you want. Well, you got to get accepted. So, it's yeah, like uh, MPCC to, or Cal.: You need people or. to sponsor you, then you got to wait in the line. But uh, mybookie.ag, promo code M1, you can just bet on other people playing on it if you want. All right.
1: Um, also, John, we have to update. We did some uh, percentages last, last Sunday, a week ago. Percentage chance that the Jimmy Garoppolo would be uh, traded by Friday. Uh, barring time travel, it's not, it didn't happen. It didn't get traded. Still on the team. Still on the
2: team. Still 100% wrong about him getting (laughs) traded by Friday. Still the quarterback of the 49ers. I also think some more information has come out on those tweets from that Saturday night. Jed's birthday party. I think they were all intoxicated. Clearly, they had a FaceTime with use check. It makes a little more sense that they were all in a good mood honestly it's more of just the jed so excited people like him now you know on the staff they come to his house they they party they drink gotta be a good feeling when you were once told the only men in this room to get out by your head coach john by an employee of yours (laughs) yeah no not an employee the guy you were paying five million dollars a year and was you know a tornado of excitement and controlled your entire everyone loved him Everyone loved him. Everyone loved him, and you thought no one knew he was a complete headache. He was a disaster. Yeah. No one. Again, would listen. it's it's never been confirmed to me. Nec- not necessarily denied either. Only grown men in this room Leaf But yeah. if that was said, that's an all timer. Right? I know this.
1: It's if you said Jim Harbaugh said this thing, and then told me that was the thing that someone claimed he said. I would go unbelievable.
2: <laughs> Wouldn't you say, like, yeah, very believable? Very believable. Yeah, I'd go very believable. I I'd could say, see it. Yeah, probably. Right, if
1: I was writing a script and making up things that he said, we would use that.
2: That would make the cut. I got to give you credit also. I, I have been an- not anti this. And maybe, maybe I have been anti this. But I think sometimes before you try something, you don't realize the ease of it. You know what I've been doing lately? I've been talking into my remote and telling him where to go. And it's pretty incredible. It's great for the <laughs> tournament, isn't it? It's incredible for the tournament. It's incredible. I was at my mom's house yesterday. I was getting changed. I guess it would be my room, but it looks nothing like my room mm. of almost 20 years yep. ago. There's a TV in there now. Again, newer TV, not, not not the box TV I had when I was in high school. And I was like, uh, I wanted to have something on in the background. I don't know her channels. That's right. I just grabbed the deal. And just went NCAA tournament, and then I went Sony Open, and I was going back and forth. It was fucking pretty easy.
1: I understand the resistance to voice control because it feels a like they're going to steal your voice and use it.
2: But it's not. It's not even that.
1: Maybe it's just I enjoy. I I don't know. I I don't. Well, I think part of it is you feel like a. You kind of feel like a nerd doing it. Like ABC. It's like no, just go to the channel. I, I don't. I I've been using it for a long time because. It is. And I, the reason it's the same reason I text this way. I, so I think so many people, you are just mostly multitasking a, you're just always doing something. Like if my remote, if I could say, Hey Xfinity, instead of pushing the button, I'd start doing that. Um, cause that's what I say. To I, Siri, I'm, I'm if with the direction. I'm like, Hey Siri, give me directions home. If I don't know exactly where I am or what's the fastest route home. I do it all the time. It's just, here's the key, John. It's easier. Like yeah, it's it easier. And especially when you don't know the channels, and there's 700 of them. I don't know any of my channels. I don't know if it's 724 or 787. or I, don't, I hardly know any of
2: the channels. It's just easier. It's, it's true. I, I, I gotta
0: tip so my I'm
1: glad you're on board.
2: Uh, I'm on board with that. I'm, I'm not a Siri user, and that's part of it. I just have my phone in my hand so often, but yeah. maybe
1: I need to change. Well, part of the trouble, I only use Siri for texting. I'll be like, hey, Siri, text middle. Talk to you in five minutes. Otherwise, I, there's nothing worse than like having to yell at Siri four times to correct a spelling, you know. Oh, because she
2: does she read you out the text before
0: she yeah, sends? Yeah,
1: sometimes it'll be like, hey, you know, uh, whatever, text John, and it'll come out with like, okay, what do you want to text John? I'll call you in 20, and it'll say like something else that makes no sense, yeah. you know. Getting
2: a cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel you. Uh, so anyway, but I'm glad you're on board with the voice remote. It, it is – I didn't realize how easily it worked. It comes up, boom – because I've been using that C button during the tournament C a lot, right? too. But the the voice is equally as easy and actually kind of cooler. Yeah. It's it's incredible technology. For something that like this fucking piece of the remote, how do they do it? The question is, what else is it listening to? But, you know. Yeah. I mean, whatever, Comcast, I'll sue you. But then they'll be like, I bet you won't class because action. we have way more money and we'll fight you in court and you'll lose. We need a class and like action. Yeah, kind of right. <laughs> One time I threatened a landlord when I moved out of Emeryville to Walnut Creek. He took away my security deposit, which was like, I don't know, 1200 bucks or 1500 bucks. And I did some research. He charged me for the entire carpet and they can only charge you for like, you know, however many years you live there. If the carpet was $5,000 and you were there, you know, four years, you get 10 years of the carpet. And I did one of those where, uh, I, I called the guy's bluff. I'm like, I pretended to be my lawyer. Oh, uh, Like, we're coming I at you. We are right. going to do this. Yeah. And he just kept answering back. Like, I did not ever say any of this stuff. Like, uh, yeah, we're not paying you. It was incredible. Like, he did not bite on the bluff at all. Very slumlord tactics. And it worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't Great get my uh, deposit back. Yeah, brutal. <laughs> uh, I do remember
1: that story vaguely. I, I think it's crazy that you have to clean your apartment on your way out the door. But, you know, that's what I say because I don't own an apartment that someone else is living in. Well, here, you here's can stay what in the carpet, but I got
2: I have to hire cleaners here. Why? Here's what I know. Here's what I know. And maybe this is just uh, as a maybe I'm dirtier. I fucking hate carpet, hate carpet. Well, okay, it's hard not to get dirty. But I understand if you spilled something
1: all over the place. That's one thing. But
2: well, it was white carpet, too. It was just it just wear and tear. Again, right.
1: But I but to me, like I got to spend five hundred dollars for your cleaner to come in and deep clean. To get all the dust Shh. off the, the the blinds? Why? No, no, no. But you know, I don't.
2: I got other I stuff to do. I cannot <laughs> have time fighting that.
1: Even though I, yeah. every time I hear about it, someone.
2: tells I know it's where it's where where the slum lords get you. That's where you know what's his name. Uh, the what did uh, <laughs> you know that chick call? Uh, <laughs> Who was the owner of the Clippers? Donald Sterling. Yeah, she had, a, she had a funny name, Little Rabbit. Remember, she called him Little Rabbit. You're my Little Rabbit. I remember don't remember that. His girlfriend. girlfriend? She, yeah, she called him something like Little Rabbit. But oh, he was he's a he's a famous that. slumlord. I don't remember famous that. slumlord.
1: Uh, hey, leave us a review on iTunes. Leave a mailbag question in that review. And uh, the weekend mailbags are just crushing it. You can watch. We did a bunch of YouTube only content last week. In addition to the, did we do five podcasts last week? I think we. We, cause we yeah, because we have three Williams the signed on like a Wednesday a weekend. morning. Pod. Yeah. I mean,
2: holy hell! Yeah, welcome this to the Conkets Factory. Yeah, you know this
1: shit ain't for everybody. No, it's not. That's a very good point. <laughs> Thank you for saying something. We have to stand <laughs> yeah. up for ourselves. Yeah, we do. All right. Uh, so Merton Hanks is going to join us on the podcast today. Oh yeah, which is
2: awesome. <laughs>
1: Can't wait. Uh, we're going to talk to him about some of his current job. We talked to him, like the second half of our conversation, a lot about his time with the 49ers. And, you know, whether or not Deion Sanders, <laughs> what it was like when Deion
2: rolled into the team and all that kind of cool stuff. And Jerry Rice. So, Joe you know Montana. what? I, I, I started listening. I was driving home from Davis on Saturday night. I started listening to the Steve Young audiobook. Yeah. And it, the, the opening of the book is his anxiety and his neck yes. was fucked up leading into the NFC championship game, which... He admitted, which Merton doesn't really buy it on. that he's like, "This was a Super Bowl. <laughs> We're the best two teams right. playing for the Super Bowl. I knew it. We all knew it. He felt the pressure from Eddie, but I didn't realize. I mean, it's still it, 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 it's 25 years ago that game took place, and maybe even almost 26. 1994. Now, yeah. Well, but it was in January 95. Okay. Game. Yeah, yeah. And the Niners jumped out to a 21 nothing lead. Aikman throws a pick six. They kick it off. The dude fumbles the next play. They get the ball on like the 30-yard line. They score really quick. And then another dude fumbles on the kickoff return. And then Steve runs it in. They're up 21-0 seven minutes into the game. And Young's just like looking up. The place is just going berserk. Then the Cowboys kept kind of fighting back and stuff. But can you imagine the NFC Championship game? Which I remember that game on television. I remember reading something that did. It was Fox's first year doing the NFC. Mm-hmm. And obviously Madden and Summerall. And like John's always talking to people on the sideline, but Steve had huge anxiety, so he avoided him. He's like, "I can't talk to you guys right now." And his neck's all messed up, and yeah. Bart Oates and Harris Barton keep telling him, "His to boys. calm down." I know. Yeah. Was that the Was that the game
1: where one of them where Brent Jones had to like bring him his food in the hotel room? He was so yeah. Two pa- the two room. power
2: bars, two bananas,
0: and he yeah. puked.
1: Oh, they
2: stayed at like the Marriott by the airport or something like that pregame. Uh, I remember the- staying. I remember staying there as a scout. And when Harbaugh was the 49ers coach during a regular season game, and just running into dudes in the elevator, the the Marriott sucks. I mean, it's pretty average. If you you should have opened your closet and like Steve Young had like carved his name in the closet, you know, know that would have been cool. It, well, Steve was the MVP of the league and had a roommate. Isn't that amazing?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, he for, needed his roommate for. because he always had he had to he had the room with Brent Jones, right? Because of his anxiety.
2: Yeah. Pretty crazy that one of the best players in the league, like, freaked out before every game. Like, legitimately was yes. on tilt. I did not know that until I started reading his book. I didn't either until I started listening to his book. It's all the same.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, before we get to Merton Hanks, though, we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson. So let's dive into that. This from Aaron Wilson of the Houston Chronicle, writing about Deshaun Watson. He says, multiple teams. Uh, he-, he cites unnamed sources. I'm reading to you from the, uh, this is actually the PF uh, Pro Football Talk summary. I'm aggregating the aggregator. Uh, Wilson cites unnamed sources to support the claim that multiple teams remain interested in Deshaun Watson. The Eagles, the Panthers, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Broncos. What do you? I'm, uh, I know what my immediate reaction is to that, but what do you make of that?
2: Uh, I think everyone is constantly monitoring just the nature of a player of this magnitude who's on the quote-unquote trade block or wants a trade. Yeah. You would monitor that no matter what, right? I mean, it's just... You're, it'd be gross negligence as a general manager if you're not. I, I had a buddy in the league that had a player on his team released uh, a couple days ago, and he said the GM had called of another team had called him within an hour to just ask some questions about the guy, just basic questions. He was like, "Where were you? Uh, what,
1: what, why didn't you call when I wanted
2: to trade him? <laughs> so it's just, it, and th- this was a scout on another staff, just guys doing research, and that's just the way it works. It's easier with situations like, well, why'd you guys cut him? Or even if it was money related, what's the guy like? You like him? You see him every day in the building? This situation is a little out of everyone's control. I got off the golf course uh, on Friday and had got a text that God, the number is up to ten. That this that's the latest that I've seen on ten women at the time as Friday afternoon had you know raised allegations levied civil suits, I don't even know the right terminology for this, but it it's gotten to the point where I'm, I, I've come to the conclusion where I, you were on this early, that you just could not, under any circumstances trade for them with this amount of just stuff hanging out there, even though it's not substantiated no, there's no guilty, you know you're innocent, in, in America you're innocent until proven guilty except in 2021 you're not really the way social media works but this but is not in, uh, even about that no i I know, but in the this is, these are serious allegations.
0: I've right? just and saying, we've seen
1: this even if social even if Twitter didn't exist,
2: you couldn't trade for
1: him right now
0: uh
2: I, I would say in that i when we were kids i I, I think you probably could have if there was an equivalent of this quarterback, I, I think a lot has changed. I would say in the last 10 years in the league, it's dramatically changed. I mean, guy, th- there was a video of a dude fucking knocking her out and Roger Goodell, we-, we had basically evidence that he saw it and he suspended the guy two games. Yeah, but I'm not saying but, if this was 30 years ago or 20 years ago when these allegations might be
1: taken less, w- would not be taken with the appropriate uh, uh, approach or where the league would be less likely to get involved. I'm just saying in this circumstance, you can't, there's just too much unknown. And it's, and it's like the the degree to how bad it potentially would be is so bad it, that the risk would just be too large if you're one of these teams. So, yeah, the Niners, the Panthers, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Broncos and the Eagles are interested. We're all interested. They're interested in a way that, you know, the Rams are not interested, sure, because the Rams aren't going to trade for Deshaun Watson. But there's a difference. I read that and my reaction is there's a difference between interested and willing to acquire him right now
2: yeah i'd argue that that those teams interest the ones that like on pro football talk listed or i guess that that aaron listed i'm just reading give aaron his credit y'all. I'm, ag- I'm aggregating aggregators <laughs> is that those teams were interested before any report came out those interest those teams have been interested from the jump as they should be this now just complicates situation and i saw a quote from rusty Harden. That they just ask for everyone's patience. Again, my patience, your patience are relevant. He's been—I think he's kind of talking to the teams, right? He's talking to the decision makers. He's kind of talking to the league uh, indirectly, and and I think he's know, probably I, just talking to back to your original point, just to the court of public opinion, right? Yeah, that uh, you know maybe we find out more this week. That's kind of what he insinuated. But Deshaun Watson has a problem on his hands. There's just no way around it. Uh, even if you know, I think we're all hoping that he's just an innocent. He's innocent because if if he's not, this would be one of the crazier stories ever. Right. Because I I was just texting around with people like his character guy in the league is is pristine. You know, like we make fun of Russell sometimes like Russell's a high character guy. But we're like, God, this guy's a fucking people don't like him. And he's weird. Deshaun Watson's character reads like Brady, like he's great player. People in the building fucking swear by him good players, bad players, coach, like people just love this guy. Yeah. And it, it would be a, it would be, have ripple effects in the league if there's validity behind this stuff. And if there's not, I think it will have ripple effects as well. And that's where I think everyone, you know, the first couple, it's, it, to me, it's, it's all right to even say like, this whole thing just is weird, right? He asked for a trade. Easterby is getting drugged through the mud. Unlike any non, you know, normal GM name we've ever seen. Then this happens. Then it keeps snowballing. I, I think it's fair that just that I would imagine the average person just on a text chain would be like, God, this whole thing's weird. Right. But until it gets solved, I go back to what you said. And you're, you've been saying from the jump is like, these teams are not going to be able to pull the trigger until there is at least much, much more clarity. Something happens. I I saw, Someone on social media today, a, a masseuse came out that she had dealt with Sean never had an issue. Uh, just like, a, clearly he was, uh, what, what would be the right word? Attempting to hire masseuses through Instagram. I think he's even admitted that because of Corona, over the Corona times. So he was messaging people through Instagram to get massages. And listen, massages are a normal part for... Like, I think when casual guy says massages, we think about it differently. Uh, Athletes, you know, hell, golfers now take. I was listening to this George Brett interview. Gary Woodland pays $2,000 a a tournament for a masseuse just to stretch them. Like, these guys. And and you know what? I was talking to someone yesterday. I I, I do think stretching and the pliability thing is, you know, it's going to get proven out. You know, for certain positions and certain people, and just certain people in different sports, like for a lineman, strength and stuff will always matter. But I do think it's going to be more and more prevalent, yeah. right? I I would have said when we were kids in the '90s, you would have said masseuses people to laugh like, oh, that guy's soft, right? It's it's a major part of sports culture now. Stretching, masseuses, sure. however you want to quant uh, quantify it, yep. right? Yep. And because you've got older players
1: too trying to play beyond their physical peaks, right? You're doing all this stuff. It was, I think, I- Igadala Remember Iguodala, who physically is just – looks the same as he always has from a stature standpoint. Um, Athletically, you know, there are certain things that you can't prevent. But just he would always talk about – at the time, Not a lot of people, Brady did, talk about sleep the way Andre Iguodala did. So anyway, I'm getting off track here. But um, yeah, I mean the question for Deshaun, the the first, second, third, fifth, and 50th question for Deshaun is – you know dealing with this situation first beyond that from as it relates to Aaron Wilson's report the eagles the the niners right those teams like they i think at this point if we if we're talking about how this how they view the situation which is the point of this conversation they have to i think whatever your percentage pie chart would be we'll just use the niners for an example and like you know 30% is we want to get Deshaun and 30% is we want Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, we'd be okay with Jimmy and 15% is Sam Darnold. And the rest is like broken up among the quarterbacks in this draft that, you know, could we, okay, it's not Lawrence, but could we get up to three, right? Like if that's your pie chart, it's just your kind of quarterback energy. I do think, the Deshaun portion of that pie chart has to minimize. You just have, you just can't be putting as
2: much. You kind of low thirty percent to me. The Niners, well, whatever would be like, the percent, yeah, make it eighty. Yeah, be like eighty, sure, yeah, make it eighty. <laughs> but it's got to be Jimmy less was now. a little high there. Yeah, no, I hear you. So okay,
1: yeah, it'd be if it was hell, John. It might have been ninety-five.
2: Yeah, whatever. It I would was, say all, though, I would say just, all the teams on this list should be all over Deshaun. So Watson. yeah, they're still interested, but they,
1: I think, have to be actively more engaged in the other stuff. That was also on that pie chart, given the circumstances. I,
2: I, I'm going to say this, and I, I understand the lawyers won't say this or won't let him say this, and I, we'll find out more this week, but th- there is a there is a, uh, ticking clock on this situation for some of these teams, right? Because the 49ers, for example, the, I, I think, think the, the, Panthers, the Panthers, for example. 100%. The, I mean, if they have a Trey Lance, a Jimmy, you know, a, a, a Justin Fields on their roster come... You Know April 28th or 29th by the end of that night, whenever that Thursday is, even if it, a couple of weeks later, all this stuff goes away and Deshaun's clear, like it's over for those teams and this guy. Like, it's this is not the NBA, you don't just trade Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love. Like, that guy is on the what team. if you had
1: a rookie minicap? You're like,
2: oh, it's just it, you got no chance. Like, once you draft the guy and trade your first round pick to get it, just be over, especially for the Niners having to move up. Like, there is just no pivoting at least what if know. the Texans loved
1: Justin Fields and you had him and you liked yeah, Deshaun Moore.
2: You're just not going to do it. Like, I just don't, it never happens ever. Well, I now, know, but, it never, but if
1: I'm playing devil, devil's advocate, it never happens
2: that well, a team drafts Josh well, and then could, drops Kyler. Well, cause I guarantee I, I pay him, uh, you know, whatever the, if I draft the guy third overall, I pay him a ton of money. I don't have any picks to trade him then. Right. I've already used my picks. What do well, I have You're to using the player. Yeah. You'd have to use that player and future picks.
1: Yeah, just I, I don't see it. Well, if I don't even I don't see it either. Fields. My point is, it's over it either, for but, Deshaun
2: Watson. Yeah,
1: yeah, I don't see it either. But I, you know, I there is a world where the where the Texans would like the guy you got and would want to trade him, and you would still like him more than the guy you got. Because we, you and I believe this. If they waited past the draft anyway, they're taking less value than they could otherwise get.
2: Yeah, I don't think I, you never see rookie. I guess I mean we saw Lynn Bowden, but you don't see rookies. Because of the salary cap, like the hit on the salary cap at thir- the third overall pick, I'd have to ask around, but it would complicate things.
1: Yeah, but the good news would be that Deshaun he's only be cost ten this year, year. Yeah. and again, the cap's going to be nine hundred and fifty billion dollars next year. So yeah, or something along those lines. But no, no I'm be, not it, suggesting it, it would happen.
2: be an unheard of. It would be an unheard of transaction to trade. Oh, totally. a guy but in but again, I like the Rosen Kyler thing was unheard of.
1: Did get a year? Did get a year?
2: Yeah, not the same. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, but that's where if I'm Deshaun, like he's no dummy. Like he, if again, he's innocent. If he's innocent, that date is weighing on me. Like I'm telling my lawyer, I'm like, fuck, I'll speak because I'm I'm a big believer in that. I'm innocent. I'm speaking. I know, but but I I said this
1: last time. Everyone's a big believer in it until their agents. I I mean, their lawyers. Some some people. people Some
2: people do do it 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 though. Sometimes, like, just come out and talk. Yeah. And. If you really want this to happen, because that, that date, to me, is weighing on their situation. But they know it. Right. Because he's been, he's been adamant about one thing, right? I want to play for the Niners or the Broncos, which is kind of weird. That's it. He has not said those other teams, and he has a no-trade clause. But here's the thing. If the it's, why, says, it's why sometimes people DM me, like, why wouldn't Seattle, because on, on paper we would, like, just trade Russell Wilson for Deshaun Watson. I said, You understand that Russell Wilson over his dead body would would agree to a trade to the Houston Texans? Like that that's never happening. Yeah. This is not like that those days are over just with these no trade clause. My my final point on this
1: though is Rusty Harden could say, okay, yeah, you saying something might be good for your football career, but it's not good for your for the the thing that I'm trying to accomplish, for your life. And you gotta we gotta handle this first, and then you can worry about whether or not the offense fits you if you know, whatever, if that situation then If you're lucky enough to then be in that situation, I am fascinated to see what they're going to do this week. Yeah. Well, the lawyer, and again, when we talk about this, we understand that we're not, you know, I didn't stay at a holiday inn last night, and I don't. Just state school guy, Just state school guys. Just a couple states. But apparently, one thing Florio wrote on Sunday was 12 lawsuits currently, and the the lawyer um, is going to, Tony Busby on Monday will spark an effort to launch a criminal prosecution. Again, I, I'm just reading you this stuff. Our team will be submitting affidavits and evidence from several women. Um, so perhaps something, they're going to do something Monday, but someone else can explain. I'll I try not to explain the stuff. There, well,
2: there hasn't been criminal charges yet. If that happens, I would say if that goes down and criminal charges are brought upon, his, his trade would basically go to zero chance, 0%. Uh,
1: request a grand jury, apparently. That's what he's going to
2: start the process of Monday. Yeah. No, I'm with you. If, I, if I, the moment criminal stuff and like any affidavits and these lead to criminal charges, to me, then his trade possibility are immediately 0%. Yes,
1: I agree. I would agree. And right now, as it stands this moment, as of like
2: this still week, pretty still pretty
1: low. Yeah, still zero for the moment, although that could change. Fellas, this is a deal for you. Geology.com slash ham. Get you 40% off your first purchase of a trial set. That's geology.com slash ham. G E O L O G I E. Middlecough. Geology.com slash ham.
2: Guy, I'm so glad to have geology. They sent me uh, multiple things. One, after I work out, I get really sweaty. I got oily skin. I need a good exfoliator. They sent me the Desert Cedar exfoliating cleanser two pack. Fantastic. I also sometimes when I get up early, I like to take a shower, just get my day started. I don't need to exfoliate first thing in the morning. I got I got sensitive skin. Mm. So I use the sensitive face cleanser two pack. How do you beat it? I got double whammy baby. Exfoliate, a nice facial wash that's, you know, for sensitive skin. Just took the quiz online and then they sent it to us. Easy.
1: Whatever your needs are, you got oily skin, you got acne, you got puffy under eyes, Geology's got a personalized skincare for you, fella. It's simple. It's four products. You take the personalized online diagnostic quiz. You tell them the results you want to see. Then, like Haberman and they go into the lab. They have a dermatologist design regimen for you, and they mail it right to your door. It's effective. It's battle tested ingredients, proper formulations. More than 250,000 guys have taken the diagnostic, so geology has been through it before.
2: Well, think about this guy. How often are people now? You know, we're not you know out and about as much, which we might be very soon. But we're doing the zooms. You want to look good. You don't need to really wear nice clothes because people can't see below. You might just be wearing a shirt, but you want to look good. You want your face to look good. Your face is your moneymaker. It's our moneymaker. I know this, John. When we all unmask one day
1: soon, I don't want to have been uh, you know di- di- dismissing the value of my skincare for twelve months. So that's where geology. No, you, no, you don't. Delivers yeah. save forty percent. on your first purchase of a trial set geology.com slash ham to get started that's geology g-e-o-l-o-g-i-e geology.com slash ham all right uh, um merton hanks john like you think about you say it to him later in the interview i think people need to understand when we start this interview though john grew up huge raider fan somehow his life changed later no big niner fan I you you mentioned it to him that you grew up in Davis. Big Niner fan. For those of you not in the Bay Area or Northern California, familiar with the geography. That's very close. Hour and a half from the Bay Area. Uh, I grew up. I didn't get to Davis until I
2: was in ninth grade. Hour and a half. feel. I mean, I'm, I'm 45 minutes from Walnut Creek, but I guess I'm 30 minutes. Yeah, I guess from it depends
1: you. on the trail. On a good day, maybe an hour 10. Davis to, day, to is to that San what's Francisco. door to door for you? if i go see my parents you know on the wrong day if i go on a weeknight i might be able to make it in like 58 minutes you know if yeah. it's like midnight you know i leave my parents
2: house late i can, I can go door to door in about 40 yeah okay but how long does it take you to get to the city 25 yeah again it depends. depends you're right traffic impacts but i live traffic sneaky on the comeback trail because i've noticed At times <laughs> yes yeah yeah uh, corona is slowing down because i see traffic So I didn't move to,
1: I didn't move to California until before ninth grade in, for my sixth birthday, my dad was in the air force for my sixth birthday in Omaha, Nebraska, I got two things that I wanted. I got the helmet Jersey pants set for Jose Canseco and Joe Montana. I liked the A's in those days and the Niners. I, it was, that's 19 base, uh, 1991. That's what I got. So I was a Niner fan for whatever. And then I had a Steve Young jersey. But I had, you know, I liked that Marino's jerseys. But I had a Steve Young jersey in like eighth grade.
2: You know why, guy? Because they were good as shit. They were good as shit. (laughs) And this guy
1: was a big part of it. Yeah. So uh, So I'm just saying all that to say, like, we were really excited to talk to Merton Hanks.
2: Well, uh, the other thing, guy, I don't think, I didn't quite realize this. I knew it worked for the NFL. He was in charge of uh, the conduct policy. He was finding players. And he mentions a, a specific, pretty famous player that has had a lot of issues that they <laughs> yeah, dealt with.
1: This is good. <laughs> so here's here's the bio on him before we dive in. Obviously, a great Niner uh, in in you know the '90s Niner's great years, four time Pro Bowler, two time All Pro, Super Bowl champ. Um, and then, to your point, he he went, he went to Iowa, served in the NFL's football ops and consumer products. Then he went 13 years as the VP, VP of football ops and compliance. Then he worked at Conference USA for four years. As an associate commissioner with football and baseball. And now in September, he joined the Pac-12 as a senior associate commissioner for football operations. So he is kind of the head football honcho now for the Pac-12. We, we love talking to him. We start off talking some about what's going on now. Uh, then we go back. Like in the back end of the interview, he starts telling some great Niners stories, which was a lot of fun. And I think by the end, we, after he agreed to 30 minutes, he probably would have been willing to stay longer. But he had stuff to do because he's a, he's, a he's a working man. Do it. Merton Hanks. For people listening on the podcast who can't see us, Merton, we have to start with this. You have behind you, is that a Deion Sanders jersey you have framed behind your head?
0: Yes. Yes. There's a, there's a, when you're so fortunate to play with so many really generational athletes, you have to pick and choose who makes the wall from time to time. So I have a little rotation going. And right now, it's, uh, I've really been supportive of Deion, what he's doing at Jackson State as a, as a new head coach. Decided it was his time to be on the wall for right now.
2: How cool is that? You know, I mean, Dion clearly wants to do it, right? I mean, he he, he talked about it for a while, but he he didn't just dip his toes in. He he dove all the way in.
0: I, I think it, it it really does speak to this notion that uh, we, whether it be African American community, and I and I. Do have to uh, state that uh, if you haven't seen it yet, Commissioner Larry Scott issuing a statement in regard to the tragic happenings in Atlanta and certainly uh, what's been going on in our Asian communities really throughout the U.S. We want to stand in support of our Asian-American family to combat any instance of uh, Xenophobia of, of racism of of hate. So I, I would encourage anyone uh, listening to this this podcast go check that out and uh, be a part of the conversation on how we as the Pac-12 conference and, and our extended family can be better in overcoming uh, division, xenophobia, and hate. It's it's been a. But, but, but let me circle back. The guy I got off track there. It's very important for the African American community. And again, uh, I'm so proud of the Pac-12 conference. You know we. We lost uh, one African-American head coach in Kevin Sumlin. Uh, I think we still lead, certainly in minority coaches, as head coaches in the Pac-12 conference, uh, certainly amongst a group of five.
1: Well, you know, I've spoken with you a few times, and the first time was back in September when you you, uh, took on your new role as a senior associate commissioner for football operations in the Pac-12. We knew in September, given everything, a pandemic, social unrest, all the issues um, that we were dealing with, and continue to deal with that; it would be a challenging job. I don't know if even knowing that then that uh, it, you could have known everything that was coming. And I know a big part of your role is you know talking to those coaches, all of them, and uh, being somebody that uh, I'm sure they I'm sure they bounce things off of you as as you do them. But what was that like? Uh, help coaches, obviously, everybody dealing with something on on a level that all at once that we probably haven't dealt before. Um, in football with and what was that like for you? I'm sure every day talking to coaches about all the challenges they were facing with their players and their programs.
0: Well guys, you know the the biggest the biggest difficulty was just getting everyone ramped back up and and going into the season. we were obviously already delayed uh, the last autonomy five conference really to get going. and, and quite frankly, I was okay with that given uh, the health and safety of our student athletes being the primary concern. We, we had to ensure, an atmosphere, uh, operationally speaking, uh, that would protect our student-athletes. And if we needed a couple of extra weeks to get that done uh, uh, so we could look our student-athletes in the face and, and proudly declare that we've done everything uh, medically, operationally, uh, uh, from a rule set standpoint that we could do uh, uh, before entering the season, uh, I'm proud that we took the time to get that done. Uh, the coaches were phenomenal uh, to uh, institutions. Uh, we all uh, learned lessons. Uh, uh, I think we we got to a point where we were losing about a game a week. Yeah. Uh, to, that, that type of thing. So that's always tough uh, uh, because, as you know, football, unlike basketball, we're going into March Madness. You get one shot at it a week. Uh, it, you gear up, and, and there's a payoff. Whether you succeed, you win the game, you lose the game, there's a payoff. Of your efforts, so when you're unable to play uh, due to, quite frankly, a new element that no one has experienced before, uh, uh, it was difficult on our student athletes uh, uh, to really survive that. So, I, I have to give all the credit to our institutions, our leaders on campus, and and certainly our support system from the conference office that we are able to get in the number of games we did, in fact, get in get in an exciting championship game, and and uh, as you can. Uh, tell that we only played two bowl games, our our student athletes were just tired. Uh, 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 You know, you had uh, young men who hadn't seen their families in a number of weeks. Uh, uh, COVID outbreaks, certainly at the University of Washington, even prevented them from playing in the the championship game. So uh, we were able to wrap up uh, our season uh, in in a strong manner, certainly wanted a better record coming out of the bowl season, but adds fuel to the fire going into uh, our spring games, that's for sure.
2: How many coaches, I, I'd imagine Herm, but beside him, did you know coming into the Pac-12, did you have a previous relationship with before you took this job?
0: Well, I would say I knew everyone. As you know, our, our circles are relatively small. Uh, yeah. Chip, uh, it Certainly a uh, big admirer is his from this time at Oregon and, and then come out over to Philadelphia, had a chance to work with him directly while I was at the NFL League office, certainly uh, uh, Coach David Shaw uh, uh, knew of and visited with Coach Rolovich from my previous stop at Conference USA. Uh, we actually played uh, against Coach Rolovich in a couple of games. Uh, uh, certainly uh, uh, Kevin Sumlin, uh, it, it goes on. There's varying degrees of great uh, relationships. And then there are the folks that have to continue to build relationships. Uh, Coach Smith at Oregon State, for instance, uh, is a person I need to spend more time building uh, a relationship with. Uh, the one thing that they understand that uh, I, I hope that I can continue to prove daily is uh, we're about the business of Pac-12 football, promoting Pac-12 football, positioning Pac-12 football to be the best it could be. And, and with that, our, our coaches have been phenomenal in being partners and, and participants in that direction.
2: I'd imagine they're pretty happy to have a football guy. You know, f- we're a football guy show, and uh, <laughs> football guys stick together. So those football guys, you know, sometimes their personality is abrasive. They like being around other football guys, feel comfortable with you, not just from your playing career, but being in administration with the NFL. You know, it has to be a good thing for them. And your relationship, it's pretty easy for it to organically grow.
0: Well, I think, I think John, you hit, it, you, you hit it right on the head in this sense it's uh, it, If we're going to argue, we're going to argue about uh, um, a a couple operational things, maybe some long-term planning initiatives. We're we're not going to argue pass interference because, (laughs) no, (laughs) it's it's, it's me. You know, we're not arguing
2: that. You know, you're not about the defensive holding. Keep
0: the flag in your pocket, baby. (laughs) That, that there's a mutual respect for. And, and vice versa, I'm not going, they know that I'm not going to come with them and excuse my language with nonsense. Uh, if I'm coming yeah. to you, if the <laughs> topics are substantive. These are things that we need to get addressed. And, and again, how can we continue to position? So uh, our, our interaction, the conversations have been phenomenal just because there's great mutual respect uh, uh, for one another.
1: Did you, I want to talk about your, your, your career, your post-playing career, just as a big picture. When, when you were wrapping up as a player in the late (laughs) nineties, after 99 with Seattle, did you envision yourself getting a master's degree? Did you envision yourself working in the league office for over a decade and then, you know, working at CUSA and then uh, working in your, in your role now as an associate commissioner? I mean, is, is, is this part of the the vision you had 20 years ago now or did 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 this kind of take its form as it went along
0: oh absolutely not yeah my job was i i wanted to uh, uh uh and i'll go back to my days at the university of iowa i i really had no aspirations to play professional football at all truth be told uh, uh my my wife and my my father were both engineers we wanted to go to school get education and either start our own small business or, or, or go to work. Uh, my, my father was one of the first African-Americans to work for Procter & Gamble back in in, in Kansas many, many moons ago. Uh, uh, so that was kind of the track that that, that we were on. Uh, when we left uh, professional football, we had started a small business, actually partnered with University of California at Davis, took a vaccine off of their shelves and, and was selling it to the dairy industry in China, uh, is what we were doing. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in Chongqing, in and, and, and Beijing, L.A., San Francisco, and kind of that rotation. And uh, uh, Bill Walsh, a Hall of Fame coach for, obviously, Stanford and, and, and 49ers. and, and Keena heard of, I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, and, and the great Tina Turner, uh, Bay Area Hall of Fame, yeah. Sports Hall of Fame member. Uh, 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 we had a discussion about a position that was open at the NFL League office Um uh, they really thought that I would be a perfect fit for it, and I should I should put in for it. Uh, it was one of those deals where uh, John guy that every uh, uh, club wanted one of their alumni or one of their representatives in that position because it was kind of a, a a track that would take you into leadership at the league office, and everyone wants that connection. And so we were able to win it. Uh, fortunately, I went to work for the great Gene Washington. Uh, uh, the 49ers and, and Stanford. Uh, he was my direct report uh, there, and, and I learned, quite frankly, how to be an executive from the likes of Gene Washington, the great Art Shell, uh, uh, Oakland Raiders head coach, uh, who turned executive, and, and, and clearly one of my favorite people on the planet in Ray Anderson uh, at Arizona State, who at the time came on board as the executive VP uh, over football operations at the NFL. So those three men really impacted my vision on, on what could, could happen, what could take place if, if we were to apply ourselves uh, uh, on that track. Uh, did not have any uh, inkling. I was living between uh, the Midwest and the West Coast. Uh, I, uh, you know, I like New York. My wife likes New York. I tolerate New York. So we we wanted to uh, be in New York, uh, maybe a couple of years, and a couple of years turned into thirteen. So uh, uh, that's how that kind of went. And and you always got to keep your eye on the NCAA because cer- certainly, uh, after working with on the professional side of of, of football business for so long, there was. Uh, uh, urging and an unction to really want to impact young people, uh, uh, and, and really the NCA is the way, in my opinion, to be able to do that and and to have the widest impact. Uh, I believe you need to work from a conference office standpoint. So I took a job at Conference USA at the time and, and, and then uh, learned some Uh, uh, New things, picked up uh, uh, new experiences working with Olympic sports. Uh, John Guy, I oversaw baseball as well as football for Conference USA, which was a phenomenal time. Uh, uh, Learned quite a bit uh, during that time and and have carried those experiences now to the Pac-12 Conference.
2: When uh, When we found out you were coming on, you know, looking at your resume and you see, he was in charge of player conduct for the NFL and anyone that follows the league over the last couple of decades i mean that is a polarizing topic is that a stressful job
0: it's it's not a and i don't want to name names it's it's a, it's a type of job that needs to be done because every every sports governing body needs a sheriff but at the same time that's a job that wears on you personally because on the NFL side, uh, there is a fine system uh, uh, yeah. where you take actual earned dollars. And I, I, I would tease uh, uh, our, our players, but it was true. You take those fine money dollars out before the federal government takes their taxes out and then you get the rest. So uh, I, I simply uh, uh, really it, it's sick in my spirit uh, after a while. Uh, knowing how hard a player has to work to earn that money in a limited time frame, as far as career standpoints, and 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 let me add this caveat: this was many years ago. Today's NFL player in two years make what you know players in the nineties make made, made yeah. you know, a whole career. So the economics are are, are vastly different. Uh, but 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 taking that type of earned income away from a player and his families and that type of thing. Is not something that uh, met with my spirit.
1: Plus, you're finding DBs the most, right? Defensive backs are the guys getting the most fines.
0: You know, ironically, the fine system, and and I think it's gotten a little better, but it's inherently set up to find a defensive player more often than the offensive player, just just by nature, just by how it's set up. You know, so uh, I I always say, and I I stand by, you needed a. you needed a center in that position, because I, you know, I, I've done a lot of the things I was uh, policing before, so I knew what to look for. Uh, uh, but, but at the same time, it's not, uh, not a position um, that's inherently structured to be a long-term position. You need a certain amount of turnover in that role, uh, uh, because it does, it does affect the person. It affects the person being fined just as much as the person issuing the fine.
2: How many I mean I could imagine from agents to the player directly was you, it it's just constant communication with people not happy, right?
0: Oh I, I myself and Dominican Su were on speed dial, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we we talked all about Mike I'm like, like Indomin and this is in you know the, the and I've said this to his face, we've been in meetings at the NFL League office together. Uh, 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 uh most, and we would sit and watch film. Mike and Domke, it's you, you're the next Reggie White. He, he's that talent. You know, he's that talented. You know, just just a phenomenal talent. And and uh, 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 but the rules of our game demand that you have to play a certain way. Otherwise, you're going to be you know fined out of not hundreds of thousands, but uh, potentially millions of dollars. Uh, uh so. Yeah, again, that, that lifestyle was, was tough on my spirit after a while. we was time to go do something else.
2: When you had that role, were you reporting directly to Roger?
0: I was, I was uh, reporting directly to Ray Anderson.
2: Gotcha. Who worked right under Roger?
0: Exactly. Well, so as you well, can imagine, Roger, Ray, and myself spent many a, many a meeting together. <laughs> going, going over uh, uh, various players and where they're at, and, and, and what we could do to help help them course correct.
2: Well, that's another individual. I'd say you know, pretty polarizing name. You you, you know, when you actually get to spend time with someone, what's Roger Goodell like?
0: Uh, I think I think he's done a a fabulous job uh, for NFL ownership in respect to growing the business. Uh, where the business is now, as opposed to where it was 20 years ago, I don't think it's close. I think the yeah uh, the valuations and, and uh, uh, ownership. I think in the, what's interesting with uh, Commissioner Goodell right now, I think in the latter years uh, of his uh, administration, he's 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 done, in my estimation, probably a better job of listening to the players, which he's always done. Uh, I don't think he got enough credit for that. Uh, but I do think that he's done a better job of that and tried to uh, incorporate uh, more of their positions. And, and uh, he's, he stood up in some areas where it was tough for him to stand up. Because any commissioner's role is very difficult because you effectively have to lead your bosses. Right. So uh, there's, there's a balance there. Uh, at the end of the day, he has to. Uh, uh, deliver for his bosses, but he has to lead them at the same time, and sometimes he has to lead them in areas that, uh, on the whole, they may not simply be comfortable going to. But he's he's done a better job, in my estimation, of doing that here. Certainly over the last few years. Do you think you'd want that job? I think that job is a a. It it, it takes a village to fund that job. Uh, that's not to me. That's not a a, a job that. Uh, um, as of today right now would I jump at probably not uh, I, I think that uh, I've, I've enjoyed the collegiate experience and I, I will say the thing about professional football um, NFL obviously top of the heap but it's professional football and the longer you're in that role uh, your, your skill set narrows Uh, And it's difficult to transition and do other things uh, when it's time to do that. Um, And and the days of uh, I was at the NFL when you had individuals who that was their first and only job. They'd been here 35, 40 years. That's simply not the case anymore. So uh, it's one of those, you you have to be careful uh, just from a career planning standpoint, because the longer you're at the NFL, uh, your your ability to shift and do other things, quite frankly, it narrows. Even though you do pick up uh, valuable skill sets, and, and and I can say most of my peers who have gone on from the NFL and are doing other things are doing exceptionally well because they were talented individuals and they learned key lessons while we're there. Uh, uh, but that is that is a side effect of being at as I like to say at three forty five Park Avenue. Uh, um, for for a long time.
2: Good thing is, if you do, you know the commissioner paycheck, you don't have to do anything else after.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: he's he's making a lot of money. There's so about that. Butcherbox.com/slash/ham and another special deal: free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional twenty bucks off
2: you mentioned Davis earlier. I was born and raised in Davis and guy what you came over in ninth grade, but you know, you know, we were an hour away from San Francisco and I was born in the mid eighties and you know, my dad is from the Bay Area and obviously just grew up a big Niner fan. I don't even think you know, you get older, I worked in the NFL too as scouting and you know, for the Eagles, so you just you kinda of become numb. You root for people, right? Not teams anymore. But I can't even imagine the Forty ers when I grew up being a bigger fan. But just the impact you guys had—I mean, you guys were rock stars. But from a guy coming from Iowa in '91, uh, from w- Dallas, what was that like? Come, you know, from Dallas to to to, to Iowa to the Niners. I mean,
0: the, the... I, I can't say I was. Uh... Did you know what you were getting into? Well, well, maybe that's just that's just the uh... here. Let me straighten myself up. There we go. That's just uh yeah. Up this way or that way. There we go. I'll get a line here in a minute. Um, I was really a great product of of being a a North Texas athlete at the time. he come out of high school. I I could put together a a high school list of folks that could, quite frankly, uh, if you look at what they've done moving forward, just from a talent standpoint. So, uh, going to a 49ers and then coming out of Iowa and playing in the big 10 was certainly a plus. It's like a plus playing in a pack Pac 12. You're, you're surrounded with talented people. That's not your issue. Uh, yeah. just a quick example, my high school class, I had uh, Michael Johnson, the 200 400 meter Olympian. We ran against him in track, Larry Johnson, uh, from New York Knicks. Uh, uh you want golf? Uh, we had pro golfers. We had pro, we had, and these weren't just pro people from a talent perspective; these were high-level, multi-time, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, high-level folks. So, and it was across every sport. So, yeah, it, I mean, the talent was the issue. Um, I think it was more of you're like Jerry Rice. I was running against Michael Johnson. You know, what I mean, <laughs> what are you talking? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, my rookie, my rookie year, that was uh, George Seifert with uh, the head coach George Seifert with with, with uh, he would test out George Seaford was, as you know, originally a, a defense backs coach and a defense coordinator before becoming the head coach. So how he would test out his uh, rookie corners coming in, he would have, uh, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback, Joe Montana throw the Hall of Fame receiver, Jerry Rice, and throw right at you for about 10, 12 plays in a row to see if you're going to hold up or not. And so I was able to bat down a couple of balls and, and ended up intercepting one ball and kind of ended the drill. And, and George seems like, okay, you, you might be a, you might be a keeper. We might be able to keep you. And, and that was how you got indoctrinated and, and, and to the 49ers. And, and, and to your point, John, when you had great individuals, uh, my first workout there, the great Brent Jones, uh tight end yeah. Santa Clara was out working out and, and he didn't, he didn't rasp me. He didn't uh, talk down to me. He pulled me to the side immediately. He said, I've I, I read about you, know about you. He hadn't seen me work out day one. The first thing he says is, I, I need for you to be great. We need for you to be great to get to where we want to go. I'll, I'll never forget that. And Brent's a great friend of mine to this day. And that's what you were surrounded with, great athletes who had great work ethic and, and really were about the team. Um, it's almost shocking even the great players. I, I remember our 99, 1994 team where when Deion Sanders came in the locker room and and look, Dion is used to being the you know Dion's used to being the guy, right? Uh, you know, yeah. wherever he's at, Dion. That's that's nice. But I got Steve over there. I got Jerry. We we got a bunch of guys here. Grab your jock and let's go to work. <laughs> and so, you know, it was he was able to uh, uh, shrink his ego uh, about being a guy and become one of the guys, and and being able to do that help elevate the entirety of the team. He
1: he did say, he did say. Uh, you know, he, he had a Lamborghini delivered to the team hotel the day before the Super Bowl. <laughs> and Ricky Waters says that those that Jerry and Dion almost came to blows uh, maybe that week or in practice. Is that true? What, what was the real tension between
0: the two or is that just yeah, made up? I, was, I, I call it manufactured tension. We were having the best practices we ever had. The problem is we were and I'll say it. I was out at four in the morning. Drinking my shots down on South Beach, <laughs> <And> be- <laughs> and practice, you know, the next day. But the practice were going so well, balls. We would go through practice, and, and John, you've heard this gazillion uh, times. Ball never hit the ground. I mean, every yeah. catch was made. Yeah, you, you know that that type of thing. And and so, I think George Seifert needed to manufacture a, a sense of of drama. And look, we had played San Diego and. Great respect for San Diego. Great respect for the players. AFC champions, that type of thing. We knew we were winning that game, right? So uh, uh, it was just going to be a matter of how much we were going to win the game by. So, so we needed, uh, from from a coaching perspective, you needed to introduce at least some uh, sense of drama, some sense of mutuality, and, and and George used uh, a, a couple of us uh, uh, not arriving. Uh, at curfew on time uh, 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 to call a team meeting, probably about this had to be like Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. And everybody was all indignant and, and that type of thing. I'm like, okay, yeah, uh, but we're going to go win this game. And I'm, after practice, I'm still going here. My, my <laughs> wife's in town now. We're going to go hang out, and then we're going to get on our normal schedule the way we go. So uh, there, there was, it was to me, it was manufactured tension. I don't, I don't, uh, I didn't quite frankly give it much credence then. And many years later, it's still going.
2: <laughs> well, I, I remember, and I've heard so many of you guys talk about it. Is that the Super Bowl was really the Dallas Cowboy game? And that, and that game, and once you beat them, it, it was on. But
0: I don't, I don't like to say that. That was the NFC Championship game. Uh, uh, it was an important game, obviously. Uh, I, I would say that just on pure energy expended and being worn out and tired and what it meant to the organization, uh, uh, that game meant as much to that team. Uh, but the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, yeah. I... I yeah. I always, uh, you know, I never want to say that a NFC or AFC championship game I played in both divisions is more important than the Super Bowl. But for us at that time and what we needed to do and what we need to overcome and and the fans at Candlestick Park at that day, is, is that was the single uh, uh, most draining, um, probably the most consequential game. And to your point, John, including the Super Bowl. That, that NFC Championship game was more consequential to me personally than the Super Bowl because of what it meant for the organization or fan base. And really for the NFL, I, You know, the NFL is better when you have um, certain teams that, that need to be challenged. Look, the NFL needs the Dallas Cowboys to be well. They need the 49ers. I love Seattle, yeah. Play the Seattle. Yeah. You need the 49ers to be a good team on the West Coast. Uh, uh, you need the Giants or the Jets to actually do something in New York, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there are certain teams yeah. in the NFL that that need to play well because it makes the league better overall, in my opinion. And and uh, uh, it was good that the 49ers were able to overcome a Cowboys team that, look, we knew that team was going to be a dominant team for the next few years, that we are able to upset that apple cart a little bit and, and go win a championship what's good for the league, actually.
1: Uh, Mert, I know we got to let you go here soon. Before we do, though, now that you're in, I know I've asked you about the chicken dance before. Now that you're in the Bay Area more, are people asking you, I guess you're not really seeing people on the street in the Bay Area that much, but I would expect when you walk around the Bay Area, it does come up from time to time, does it not?
0: You know, the Bay Area is like, uh, the Bay Area is like New York. The Bay Area, to me, is like Philly in this instance that they have great respect for the sports whether it be collegiately or professionally uh they 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 recognize his participants uh, uh um the so long of a short of it I, uh, ironically the last time i was actually uh visiting my friend over in pacific heights and i was heading over to uh union square and, and uh, uh a young man it tickled me um he looked at me and i'm like he can't know who i am he's you know probably all of, you know, 13, 14 years old, he breaks out <laughs> doing the little dance. I'm like, oh my goodness, YouTube is amazing, because that's the only way he would know about it. Uh, 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 San Francisco 49er fans uh, honored, quite frankly, us uh, uh, with their allegiance and loyalty, and, and, and I think their tagline, faithfulness, uh, uh, I, I think it's, it's certainly very true and, and, and extends even to this day
2: merton you said little dance again you guys were rock stars and that dance was a big deal
0: (laughs) i I, it was you know what it's 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 a fun thing i think uh, uh the last time i was able to do it i think uh Commissioner larry Scott had extended the offer to me to come to work for the Pac-12. So I broke it out then, John. So that was that was fun. That was fun doing it at that time, that's for sure. Uh, uh it was it, look, the 49ers even today I, I think that uh John Lynch and his staff are doing a great job of, of stocking that team with talent. And to me I'm a talent guy. I want I always want the most John you you I always want the most talent on my team. That just you know, talent wins games at the end of the day. Uh, so uh, uh can continue on that tra- track. And, and and that's why they need to continue to come to the Pac-12 conference. We, we've got talented players. Uh, uh, and the challenge to us, uh, and i said this to Commissioner Scott before, I've said this openly, uh, if we're west of the Rockies and you're an athlete, male or female, and you're not at a Pac-12 institution, it's because we don't have space for you if you're talented, is what it amounts to. We we want all the most talented kids. Uh, we want to put forth the, the the best opportunity for our institutions and those those student athletes to win. And, and uh, we're going to surround them with great coaches, great administrators, and and certainly from the conference office, do our our level best to support them in their endeavors.
1: Merton, it's awesome to talk to you. We'll let you get back to work. We know there's actually spring football games starting up now, so you got you got games. Yes. Uh, and I'm excited. I, it's, it's wild, it's awesome though. Hey,
0: wait a, <laughs> Hell yeah! We, go. we got Cal, we got Cal this week. I know, Coach Wilcox, Coach Wilkerson's got. I mean, he's got a tremendous staff up there. I, I, I just, I just, I'm really. In, in the spring, as you know, it's it's about hope. It's about building momentum. It's about letting uh, uh, the football universe know who you are. Uh, as an institution, as a team, going into, obviously, uh, uh, summer camps and into the fall campaign. So I'm looking forward to uh, our spring games. Uh, I think it'll be a great indicator of what we can be as a football-playing Autonomy 5 conference this fall.
2: I, I could see Wilcox and Whittingham, defensive guys, produce, produce you, produce, you, you know, NFL DBs, DBs on, their on their resume. I could, I could see you liking, you liking those, those two. two.
0: Oh, the they uh, and I'm a big fan of, uh, of Coach Wilcox because he's such a no nonsense guy. You know, he's like Mert. This is what I need. <laughs> he's very focused. Uh, I, I love him because you know what you have. You know, there's no there's no shadow to that guy, yeah. which uh, as a young student athlete, you, you really do appreciate that, uh, uh, especially our student athletes at Cal who are exceptionally bright young men. Let's just call it for what it is. So. Um, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to the spring game this week. I'm looking forward to all our spring games. That's for
1: sure. Merton, we could talk to you for a long time, but it's awesome that you uh, took the time to join us. We really appreciate it.
0: All right, now y'all take care, John Guy. Be well. Now there was Merton Hanks. John,
1: he was fun. Love man. me the chicken dance. Oh, I love that somebody. He uh, by the way, how about he's like, yes, yeah, so I was in Pack Heights, <laughs> and this kid walks up to me. See, I think what I if we had more time to talk to him, I'd. He's like, I bet they watch it on YouTube. I think he, I, I would say to him, I think you don't quite realize how big that was. Like, dance? and I'm sure he knows. Cause like you can go to his website and get a coffee mug or a hoodie with his chicken dance on it. But uh, the kid that came up to him in pack Heights, like that guy is probably our age, probably in his early or mid thirties. Uh, or maybe he's in his late forties and he uses a geology skincare uh, package and looks younger. <laughs> um, but I like for him to like he thought somebody had just recognized it off YouTube. Like I bet he doesn't quite realize how widespread the chicken dance is with people of a certain age, and it's a lot
2: of people of that like it's many ages that understand. Well, I also think he underrates like my generation, right? In our generation, people in their mid thirties, the the eighties niners Niners teams are nothing to me beside what I've heard about them, talking to people about them, watching things about them. I lived his team. So he had like my parents' generation who were watching it through the Montana up to that's their last memory of the great Niner decade, and then it was my first big football moment. Like it's my favorite team ever, the '94 Niners that went on to win Super Bowl in '95. And just looking back, they—I they, mean, Steve Young won the Super Bowl MVP through six touchdowns, right? Three to Jerry, three to Ricky. Who we ended up—how cool was that? We we hosted a radio show once with Ricky fucking Waters. And Ricky's pretty cool. He is very but cool. The other part about that. Had check up on Ricky's
1: it, kid, who was a very good youth golfer at the time at
2: Last check. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Underrated part about that team, how big they were. Ricky Waters is huge. Merton Hanks, Tim McDonald are massive individuals. Like, the, the, obviously, their front, the, the lines on both teams were big. Dana and- but just Brent Jones was big. They, they were big. I could see how Merton Hanks and Tim McDonald just see NFL players now and go, God, these guys are kind of small. <laughs> you guys get way at, more at, money at their,
1: you at hit their a lot positions.
2: Less. Yeah, at their positions.
1: Uh, all right, a few other things. Let's talk about the NCAA tournament, just because it's been awesome. As we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, we're recording this on Sunday night, so plenty is going to happen between uh, tonight and, and tomorrow and beyond. But um, there's been so much good stuff. I mean, what? Uh, let's let's rattle off some takes here on the NCAA tournament.
2: Uh, Well, the thing that really jumped out to me as I'm watching Sister uh, Sister Jean and her squad, they're playing a guy with the last name Cockburn. And Illinois. it turns out Kofi. that is not how you say his name. It's Kofi Coburn. Coburn. I've been
1: saying it wrong for two weeks. Uh, I learned that this week that it's Coburn. I was like, thank God.
2: Because if your last name is Cockburn and you see this guy, someone, someone tweets or I mean someone, I had a buddy text me this morning. They're like, that guy looks like he could fucking start for the Monstars and Space Jam. He is. He is a freak. He I mean, is. he's huge. He looks he he's an NBA body for 100 percent. They they compared him like he kind of has like an Alonzo morning feel to him. He's just jacked and he's, he's looks sweet. And I, I actually Googled him once We me and you were texting. You're like, you know, the CK silent. I'm like, he's lucky. Even though he's not no. totally lucky, I mean, it helps. because on the back of his jersey it says Cockburn, uh, and that's what everyone reads. He was like kind of a raw product who all of a sudden, I think, kind of hit it big like his junior, senior year, and then he started getting all these offers, ends up at Illinois. Uh, but when you have Cockburn, in the NBA. It's not like the Yankees where they don't have your name on the back. I mean, it's when he gets drafted in the NBA, if he's on the whatever team, it'll say Cockburn on the back. I mean, it's it, again, I had seen his name multiple times
1: this year and I just called him Kofi when I was talking to somebody because I was like, I don't even want to go down that road. And then the tournament starts and they're all calling him. Co- I thought there was another guy named Coburn in the country because I'd heard that name. I didn't know there was the same guy. So I texted, I, I like on a, on a thread this morning, I texted, like, whoever started pronouncing it Coburn, thank you because it just, for him, for everybody, kind of helps a little. But as you texted me, like it's still, it's still there. And so when you asked, because that's when I said, no, actually, it's pronounced Coburn only because I just learned that. I wasn't really ahead of the curve on that. And then you're like, no way, that's real. That that like that's really how the name is said. They just had to change it. So then I just started googling, like, is this? And I came across some guy that wrote an article, an Australian guy who wrote an article about his. his he's like he 27, I think. I don't know how old the article was. But he basically the article was like, My life with this last name. Like he's like, it's pronounced Coburn, but you can only imagine every time roll was taken in high school what my life was like. And he was he was writing in a good natured way, but he's like, anytime I talk to somebody, you just kind of cringe. If anyone ever says
2: Coburn, you're like, Oh my god, thank God you're one of the few people that knows. So yeah, it's uh here's the thing: if you are gonna be have the last name Coburn. And play basketball and have a jersey where, whenever you play on national television that says Cockburn, at least you are the sweetest looking motherfucker on the court every time you step on the court. Yeah. And he was. Now, he did get abused by an average looking white guy who is easily the Denver's guy, Jokic. He plays just like him. Like, I mean, this guy was just making sweet passes, making sweet layups, making just sweet plays. Loyola. To me, the coolest part about the NCAA tournament is, like, football and basketball are the money makers in in college sports. We know that. The NCAA tournament makes a ton of money. I actually read if the Pac-12, as we're doing this, can keep having a little success, it can be a pretty big payday. They've had a them.
1: great they day. By the it. way, we should mention that. We should have mentioned it beforehand. Uh, the conversation with Merton Hanks was before any of the tournament started. Yeah. Otherwise, we probably, probably would have talked about
2: it. it. Yeah. But. So so do you get paid every round you go? Is that the way it works? Or do you just get like a lump sum when the tournament starts at the conference? Or is it based yeah, on how many so teams you get in? You get like a unit. and then, But if you play in the first four, I think UCLA got like,
1: th- that was worth like three units or something. And then each unit, based on how much is made, all the contracts is worth a certain amount. And then there's like a rolling six-year number. I'm not. I can't. I don't fully understand it. It's a complicated formula. The more it's you better win. to
2: make. The more more teams you get in the tournament, the more you win, the more you're money you're guaranteeing you make. yourself millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, gotcha. It's why the SEC people get so mad that they always get two teams in the final four, right? Because they get to double dip, basically. Yeah, <laughs> you know a lot of. Yeah, times, I don't. You know. Been out for the tournament. Obviously, every it's a little more a, complicated. The pool yeah.
1: is big to be shared among the participants.
2: So, anyway, keep going. That. In college football, on a random week, and now Alabama would never play Boise or or UCF. They wouldn't because they would just say, well, fuck it, we'll just play Michigan, right? We'll just play USC. So worst case, we're going to lose. We're just going to play a big boy, right? They just, they're not going to do that. Like to me that, I guess they have played Fresno State, but that's probably pushing it. That in football, it would be, it just wouldn't happen really <laughs> right. Boise just wouldn't beat Alabama. If they did play, it would be jarring. Like the day that that year that Appalachian state beat Michigan, Michigan wasn't good. Like the thing with the the crazy part of the NCAA tournament, like Loyola beats Illinois, Illinois team is legit, right? They are good. And you're watching it. You know, they're good. It's not sometimes they're upsets when teams are misseeded or whatever. It is just wild to watch in basketball of just the little guy that could, like, USB playing Creighton. Yeah. That's kind of a bad example. Because the Creighton's, Creighton's probably, not a... Like, they're a good, yeah. really good program, but they're not... But let's say you, you UCSB could have been playing Oregon, right? Or Oklahoma or whatever. And just their guys, you're like, God damn, these guys can hoop. And you realize, whenever you go to a random gym, and if you go play pickup, and there are guys like, oh, this dude used to play college basketball like, Long Beach State. You're just like, God, this fucking guy's good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It'd be like, if you just ever play golf, and you go, yeah, this guy uh, was, like, the number six at... uh you know, whatever, uh, Pepperdine, and the guy's shooting like 68. You're like, God damn, this guy's good. It's just, it's kind of like, but in football, there is such a huge line of delineation because there might be one guy at Cal Poly that's a third-round pick, but the rest of his teammates are like, "Yeah, it's an insurance salesman. That's going to be a construction worker." And it, it is harder in football, right? So if the one guy, if you have like a third-round pick that's going to go to the Patriots, he might be a right guard. No, unless you're like scouting him, you wouldn't even realize. Where in basketball, the little guy that never would have got it going to Kentucky, the team can really hang with these teams. It's it's really. It's mesmerizing to watch. I think there's I think. two.
1: Uh, you're right. And, I, and now I will say, I think Loyola Chicago was partly misseeded.
2: They were, but, I, but, but let's even go to like the UCSBs yeah, and yeah. the Liberties yeah. and all these other teams. You're right. Because they've done it before. They've done but it just, before.
1: And they were this year. Now it's hard because there wasn't really any non-conference in the Missouri. They just dominated the Missouri Valley. They were the number one defense in the country. And so they were really all the metrics that the NCAA uses, the, the net, which is this analytic they use uh had them rank top ten the whole year. So the metrics Albaline Albaline Christian be a better example. It's a great example. Um, I, who who beat who beat Ohio State? Uh who beat Ohio State?
2: Davidson? No, no they didn't. They were like a seven. Uh, I didn't watch uh, any of the Ohio State game. I just saw they lost to
1: Oral uh, Roberts. Oh, how could I forget, Oral John? Roberts. I had two Oral Roberts guys on my DraftKings team, which finished fourth out of 25. Um, and I had Buddy Beheim. Basketball, it's always great when a coach's son turns out to be good enough to play and not just because the coach forces him on the court. But I think there's two things to your to your point. One, in football, you can pay a bunch of money to your coaches and they affect every play. Every single play. They call the play. Maybe Nick Saban doesn't call the offense, but he tells The OC, like, hey, man, you better run it here, right? Steve Sarkeesian just got paid a lot of money to go be Texas head coach. They paid him a lot of money to Alabama. He called every single play. So in basketball, having, where the coach doesn't get to call every play, having players who know how to play the game without being told before everything they do what to do is really important. Well, guess what? The best programs in the NBA or in college basketball, their players aren't three- and four-year players, the most talented. At Alabama, the most talented players are three year players also, just like the least talented players. In college, you get these matchups now, right? Where you might be super talented on one end of the spectrum, but you don't have a lot of experience. And other team's less talented, but they got a ton of experience. And so, uh, you know, I think one thing that could happen in a few years, like three years, is you're going to have teams that are fought with everyone getting a free year of eligibility this last year. You're going to have guys that are like, Wait, they got three fifth-year guys on their team?
2: Yeah, Davidson's going to roll and be like a three seed with just all these dudes. The other thing that's going to happen is
1: next year, there's going to be a bunch of immediate transfers to bigger schools probably, right? From smaller schools who play right away,
2: who have played for four years but had a free year. So they've all graduated. You've got all these guys that have graduated. So you're you're saying like... You're saying like Oregon gets the best player from Oral Roberts or whatever. Or, which right. they,
1: Oregon now is all transfers. Imagine next, like they know, they're a great well, example.
2: Why, why would that happen? Is it is a special deal this well, year? Well, just
1: because normally to grad transfer, you have to graduate before you've used, before you've yeah. played for four years. But and now, then you just get the one year. If you were a senior this last year and you're not like an NBA player or you don't want to go play in Europe yet. or you Oh, because like the year stock, didn't count.
2: You can just be a senior again and you can just go play somewhere else. You've probably graduated. But you, but the, you're okay. I I see what you're saying. Yeah, the word oh, because you're eligible. Like you still have this fake year of eligibility. Hell, you don't even, even though you play exactly. It's not even
1: fake. It's real. Yeah, like Kentucky could just
2: roll out loyal Chicago's team next year if they wanted. Get them on a trade. Why wouldn't you? Be, <laughs> why wouldn't you? If you were one of these big Power Five teams, be scouting this tournament pretty heavily on these top teams. Yeah. Right. Now. Now you could argue those teams. Like, why didn't you just go back kick ass for sure? Just, for sure. And some of those guys those might, are your boys, but. There's going to
1: be. I mean, every year there's transfers. I think this has got the potential. I talked just to, to be a I was talking to Kyle Smith, the coach at Washington State, the other day. And he was like, we've just got he, like their season ended a week ago. He's like, we got our war room set up. We're just watching the portal nonstop. His theory was that like there's going to be lower level teams that are going to get really good players because a lot of people are going to want to transfer. And you got freshmen coming in and there's just not going to be enough spots for people not enough seats, trying, at not the, enough, at the, enough seats at the dinner table. And he
2: thinks the talent's going to trickle down. I'm talking about the talent going up. He thinks the talent's going to trickle down, because Kentucky's like, well, we've already committed to five guys coming in, right? And so maybe they have a and, guy that leaves because he's been there three years, but his playing time's only going down, or two years. And this knows? year, and this year, probably because of the shortened season, a lot of guys may come back at the bigger programs as well. You're right. Like, so could we see a crazy field next year? Yeah, I mean, you, yes, yes. Which I don't think it'd be
1: the if, worst thing in the world for college basketball to have a bunch of players who have been around the sport back in the sport again.
2: Not inconceivable either than for a team, an Oral Roberts, a Loyola, whoever, if they keep their squad all back this year to make a legit run next year, right? Someone, someone DM me this. So this is not my thought. I texted you this the other day. This was a good take. They're like, y- y- you know the shittiest part about last year? Like the one team that has a legit beef, I don't even know, have they played yet? that Davidson, Dayton, or excuse me, Dayton, Davidson is is a Curry school, that like Gonzaga, when they made their legit run, were making their legit run, like the Morrison kind of level, right? It elevated their program to a different level. It, It just did. And they, a couple times, were really high seeds. But back in the time when people were like, oh, they don't deserve it, they're playing no one, now no one feels that way. But at the time, like they needed that to propel them. Dayton had that team. They had a guy that was a top 10 pick who kind of crazy, like all of a sudden Julius Randle becomes a star and he's kind of like, they drafted the same position. What do you do? But they had Obi Toppin and we just, you just watch college basketball. Like it, I would imagine Dayton had a bunch of dudes. Obi Toppin, he wasn't a freshman. He had been there a couple years. That team was probably like, we're going to fucking win this whole thing. And then all of a sudden the thing gets canceled. They were the number one, I think, overall Well, they'd seed. lost two games.
1: They were 29-2. They'd lost to Kansas
2: and Colorado. That was it. And both those two teams are tournament teams, and they they're probably feeling pretty good. And all of a sudden, the season gets canceled. I think this year they're like a eight or nine seed. Not like they're going to make they a went run. Their best and 10 player this year, their best players in the NBA. They lost yesterday in the NIT. God, that oh they didn't even make the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Like that's just one of those where for the basketball gods against us. How could you... this was the year? This was our squad. Gonzaga was lucky, right? They just. They parlayed that moment. Not even lucky. I mean, the tournament just happens. <laughs> they had a tournament canceled on the year that this special team, because it's not that Gonzaga now is viewed like an elite. Last year, Dayton was like, it, it had the it had the backing of like the Billiss and the NBA guys saying like, Obi Toppin's a legit guy. They're a real team, right? And then the fucking thing got X-Nade. And they got to be, that coach got to be like, do I get do I get an extension for this year, guys? You know, can we just pretend we made it to the Elite Eight at least? Like, can you imagine? Like, we're just gonna roll over your contract, roll over my contract. I know. Guys, at minimum, we're I mean, that was we're our winning shot. two games. I know. <laughs> yeah.
1: That sucks. I got I got I got I got another tournament thought for you. I had not heard about this. I if you had asked me did this exist, I'd say yes. People listening, you'd probably say yes, but I'd never directly heard about one of these things. A it's a it's a big, big, big money NCA pool game. Here's how big the money is. So you pool your money with like four other people. So you end up on like a team of five people. And what you do is you you bid on teams and you buy teams, right? So the higher the seed, the more expensive they are. You build your own team based on the teams that you've purchased. And then each round win is worth a certain amount of dollars based on whatever the pot is worth. So for this particular game, the pot is just shy of a million dollars. Is this Vegas or indiana No, no, this is like a, a guy who knows a guy told me this story yesterday. Okay. Each, the pot is just under a million dollars. So for the first- What's, p- the, what's the buy-in individually? Um, I, I don't know what the buy-in individually, but apparently you pull, they pull their money and they have to show up to the auction with the money in a suitcase, <laughs> so probably minimum fifty grand. Well, here I'll tell you because you, you, I, I don't think there's a buy-in so much as you, you, au- they auction off teams.
2: So you, yeah,
1: you, you buy. you pay teams. at that moment. So um, here's twenty grand for Gonzaga. No, or whatever. John,
2: Gonzaga went for seventy thousand dollars. So you could probably get incredible value if you get Loyola for like ten k, right? Sure, yeah uh
1: Creighton was seventy eight hundred. Just to give you an idea of, so what well, was like Ohio State? I don't know. I just have a few of them here. He sent me a photo of like the name with the cost. Twenty seven thousand dollars was Michigan. Ten ten thousand five hundred was Tennessee. So you
2: get three or four thousand. So you don't need to get the national champion
1: to still make money. No, it's you, just if, it's every round, every win is worth something. And then by the end, you know, I don't know what the national championship is is worth, but.
2: Are these as like rich guys? Yeah, just rich, athletes? just rich guy,
1: just a just big money rich game.
2: This sounds badass. Is something <laughs> is that, that like someone be? had an idea at a country club or something, to, right? Don't you think they have, to, or they're like at a men's club or some collection of people, or they're, I, I don't know. You could argue gambling against the house is fun, but doing that shit with people you know is probably more fun. Especially if you're talking that type of money, and I never thought about this being on it. So it's like a te- like you're pooling money to buy these
1: teams, right? So you have a team. It's like you and four other people. Like that's probably yeah. Pretty so sweet. We, we show up with you know
2: put twenty grand in the well, suitcase, yeah, whatever your suitcase is, but
1: just to have like you're together all rooting for the same thing. That's pretty. And but you're also going against somebody else. Like it's the best of both worlds.
2: You're on. A I team, think my fault. Pol- competing. I wonder if your philosophy would be better to try to buy low on some teams and they could really bang for your buck because you could get five or six Loyolas for obviously Gonzaga 70. That's not a bad, like if you're going to pay a premium by that, but even Michigan, like is it crazy to say Michigan get knocked out in like the second round? I, I heard on the radio yesterday, one of their best players is a broken foot. He's out. Like I, I don't, I don't love li- I don't livers, think a lot of people right? realize what livers. I mean, it's a guess as good as mine, but one of their starters has a broken foot. Like That's the one thing in football, because usually that guy is a legit no-brainer first-round pick, right? Like a waddle. Or you know that going into the game. I think a lot of people gamble on this stuff, even probably a decent amount of money, and don't quite know all the details. Like, you know, there's six men, he fucking t- pulls his hammy, he's out a week, and you just kind of... Yeah, Michigan's sweet. I thought that, but then I, at eight... Maybe I'm wrong. At eight
1: fifty or whatever time it was, eight thirty on Friday morning, I made a DraftKings game in the Haberman and Middlecoff league just to see if I could fill it. The first game was at nine fifteen, and people are making lineups like they know who everybody is. Because if you're going to make a DraftKings college basketball lineup, it's like eight players in twenty minutes. Like you kind got to know who
2: people are. People made a bunch of lineups, and I like here. Here's what I know: Doug Gottlieb, the All Ball podcast, where he talks a lot of college basketball yeah. and has a lot of college basketball coaches on, does huge numbers. Think about that. College basketball has been massive all of our life. It's probably never been as important right now, but for 40 years, it's had massive followings. And in certain areas, it still does. Those people need something. Like, they're watching, right? If if a random Duke-North Carolina game or Michigan-Michigan State game on ESPN gets, back in the day, would have been a million, now gets... 630,000 people watching. That's still 630,000 people watching, also, also, right? When fans are allowed, like, I turn on a Michigan game, it's, the student section's big. All those
1: people graduate and have jobs, and then some other students come in. and they, So when you're a fan of them, you just watch the rest of the league, right? So you just know that league really well. I think te- people, I think in basketball in particular, people
2: know their leagues really well, right? I, I, I also think even, like, out West, UCLA people watch UCLA. Oregon sure. people watch right. Oregon. Uh, yeah, I'm just pick any you know, team. yeah. I think the these enrollments are massive in these big schools. Yeah, the big the Big Ten has a strong following. I think, like Michigan's playing, there are a lot of fucking people watching. Yeah, like I said, going back, that would be the school. Like that's pretty. Yeah, I went to Michigan. Like even when you go through some lulls, like your lull with Harbaugh kind of sucks, but it's not that. Yeah, your basketball team's in sweet. Yeah, but what's good about it is the the brand is so big
1: that people like you're allowed to be super angry about it. You know. Like, you're a lot like it's a thing that
2: you're not good enough. I, I completely agree. Anyway. Is it weird to say I might rather go to Michigan than Stanford? Obviously, I'd want to go to Stanford, but I, I don't think going to Michigan is like that big of a, you know, I think it's pulling you on the good path.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's weird to say at first blush, my reaction's like, yeah, it's not crazy, but then I start thinking about the weather and just Stanford.
2: and No, 100%. I'm just saying, if you just if I just gave you a degree, either one, Michigan would change school. your life. Yeah. yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying.
1: All right. Uh on that note, maybe some NFL Enjoy stuff the games Madden this week. It better. Uh, we got a bunch of pro days actually this week, so uh John will three times this week, John will tell us they don't matter, but <laughs> Well
2: they, they matter this year because there's no there's yeah, no Yeah, they really play. matter this year, man. It's a huge week. They matter, man. dude. They matter, man. Later. Later.